Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. We've got Chris Schubert. He's floating around producing this thing, and it's good to be back with you. We've got some good stuff to talk about today with all the crazy stuff going on across the NFL, and we'd like to bring it back to that big picture discussion. And so we're going to talk wide receivers, we're going to talk quarterbacks, and we're going to have fun. Kyle, what's going on, dude? Why, what's going on? What what things are happening? You mean just more first-round picks being traded in the month of March than like any other NFL start to the season in NFL history? Like that kind of busy or like, is that what you were talking about? Like, yeah. What is it like? We have like eight or nine first-round picks that have been traded already when you factor in player trades and like the Justin Fields trade from last year, the implications of the Carson Wentz trade. Like there are and has been a ton of movement already in this first round landscape. We have, like you said, we have not gotten to April 1st, which keep your head on a swivel. April Fool's Day. Oh, yeah. Always check the, check the ads on social media, right? Make sure you, you don't get fooled by fake accounts because uh, that's right around the corner when, when you, as everyone's listening to this. But, uh, yeah, I think there, there's a lot of big picture conversations that, that can be and will be had here on this show as it pertains to salary cap expenditure and rookie contracts versus established NFL player, con- like second and third contracts, the risk involved with rookie players versus the floor of established NFL players, uh, this draft class as a whole and perceived scarcity that might exist and motivate teams to uh, make changes as far as how they're investing their, their premium capital. Like, I mean, you're, you're seeing the full gamut here. And then obviously the, uh, Los Angeles Rams, right, are sitting atop the throne in the NFL with a general manager who refuses to spend first-round draft selections on rookie players. He says, no, I'm good. I'm going to trade for established star players and make sure I build my roster that way. So assuredly, assuredly, that is feeding and fueling this for some NFL franchises as well. So, Kyle, there have been some wide receiver trades that have went down already this NFL offseason. We've seen Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill get traded to new teams. And anytime players of that magnitude get moved, it creates a lot of conversation and reaction to it. And so would like to have a conversation now about where things go from here as the contracts for Adams and Hill reset the market and you have this slew of young receivers and AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin all looking to cash in. You've got players like Stefan Diggs, who's suddenly the 21st highest paid receiver in the NFL. So there are consequences across the NFL as it relates to what we saw go down with not only the trades that happened with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, but the contracts that they sign with their new team. So, Kyle, as we dig into this topic, what's coming to mind for you? 
And oh, by the way, Amari Cooper got traded too. We didn't even mention Amari Cooper. You're right. I think the the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is uh, you look at the spending situation of several of these teams that were involved in sending away a talent. And Joe, what would you do if I told you that Aaron Rodgers became the highest per year average paid quarterback in the NFL, had his number one wide receiver traded away? Patrick Mahomes had a $450 million 10-year contract that was signed. And as that contract has matured into a point in which it was appropriate to start paying Patrick not the cute like salary cap numbers, but like actual like real-time franchise quarterback money. His number one wide receiver was traded away, and Dak Prescott got $40 million a year, and his number one wide receiver got traded away. Feel like this is part of the reaping and sowing, right? It's the all mm-hmm. the, the rapid growth and acceleration of quarterback spending. Oh, this is awesome. That's all the reaping, right? But now you 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 reap what you sow. So now as you sit here and you process, you're raising the floor for spending at every position for a quality starter. And then you get your elite players and you've raised the ceiling for paying those players because franchise quarterbacks get 40, 45, 50 million dollars a year. So if I'm an elite at a different position, I'm saying my expectation is to be paid on the same proportion that my position has always been paid at relative to quarterbacks. And for wide receivers, uh, the expectation for a franchise quarterback in your skill group is what? You're going to make the be- the players around you better. Yep. So this is kind of the logical dominoes that fall and the the relative cost it's it's cruel irony but your quarterbacks getting paid in several instances three of the top 6 per year salaries on average across the NFL amongst quarterbacks they've had their number one wide receiver traded away this offseason when they were looking for new deals yeah, I think it's a natural consequence. Hey, quarterback, you're elite. We love you. You're the face of our franchise. You're great for our city. You're great for our locker room. We're going to pay you all the money. But there's consequences to that because we only have so much money, right? It's a limited resource. There's not endless amounts of cap space to give to all your players. And I think this is just that. Okay, we have to make concessions elsewhere on our roster. And like you said, we expect you as a quarterback that we're commanding and giving this much cap space too to help elevate the players around you. And we we are in a position where our best opportunity to maximize you as a player is to trade away this player that's been a big reason why you've been so, so successful and see if we can get some resources back to help balance out our roster and spread things out so that way we can feel the competitive team around you. And so that that, that is definitely a consequence of that. And look, you look at each individual circumstance and they tell a different story. And, and you know, whether that's Green Bay or Dallas or um, Kansas City, who've, who've recently made these big trades, you could look at those individual cir- circumstances. And, you know, if you look at the Dallas, you say, well, they had to get rid of Amari Cooper, but 
you know, if they didn't give Zeke that contract and they weren't eating all that money for Jalen Smith and, you know, all the different, there's, it's, it's not just Dak, right? You look at Green Bay and it's like, all right, well, you chose right. to pay Aaron Jones. You know, like there's, there's different, it's not just that, but you do have to start making choices. And so that's what happened for these teams. And, you know, you can't help but look at some of the, some of these moves. And, you know, I think about Miami getting Tyree kill and them having a quarterback on a rookie deal and then being in good position to absorb that contract they had the most spending power in the NFL entering this offseason, And they've had a surplus of draft picks over the last several years and they've got draft picks next year. And so like you look at it and say, well, that just makes sense. And for Kansas city, they probably thought to themselves, well, been in the last four AFC championship games and won a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL. Tyreek Hill's been a big part of that, but we've got to replenish. We're running out of space here. Let's take this opportunity to rid ourselves of this asset that we've got a lot of return on and help allow us to use that to bring us into the future as we evolve our team. You know, I'm, I'm a little upset you stole my talking point here, but I'll allow it because I was getting ready to say somebody's inevitably going to tweet at Chris or me or you and say, guys, great conversation on quarterback contracts and the implications for wide receiver contracts. But the Browns traded for Amari Cooper and then traded for Deshaun Watson and gave him the highest fully guaranteed contract in the history of football in the same offseason. So explain Mm -hmm. that one for me. And I'd be more than happy to. Everything you're seeing from the Cleveland Browns now has been facilitated by their process. And we all remember Sashi Brown coming in in 2016 and 17 and Hugh Jackson is the coach and one in 31 before drafting Baker Mayfield and all of the strategic cap expenditures and draft pick allocations and all of those things that kind of bore fruit starting in 2018, right? And then the change to John Dorsey comes and you get a little, little bit more aggressive, but you still got a lot of young players on first contracts. You've gave several big extensions away as far as, you know, paying miles Garrett, but that was early in the second contract. So the cap implications really haven't snowballed on you yet. You still had your own quarterback on a rookie deal. Cleveland and what they've been able to do as far as talent influx on the field was made possible because of what the organization did five, six years ago to set the table. And you talking about the Dolphins with Tyree Kill, they did the same thing in 2019. So this is when we talk about like, Building a roster and building a team, building a franchise, working towards something with strategy and implementing salary cap strategies where there's rollover cap. If you don't use salary cap, you can bring it with you to the next year. So that I think what this aggressive market has the chance to do is facilitate more teams being honest with themselves, like we're seeing the Detroit Lions do mm-hmm. right now, and be like, hey, you know what? We kind of stink. And if we want to not stink, we got to rip the Band-Aid off and just do it and pull for picks. And we're unfortunately going to have to let some good players go. 
and hoard assets because if you try and have your cake and eat it too, that's when it's going to get really ugly. Just ask the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, who we took to task over the weekend. Yeah, look, in, in receiver trades have been going on for a long time in the NFL, whether it's been Terrell Owens, Deion Branch, uh, Joey Galloway. So if you, yeah, Peerless Price. Marshall, they, Randy Moss, yada, yada. Keyshawn Johnson. Like, that has been a thing across the NFL. So while it feels like a new thing, trades in wide receiver, they go hand in hand and have for a long time across the NFL. So, Joe, as most of these conversations – usually go it's been centered around the quarterback position and the implications as far as building a team and we've alluded to rookies and rookie contracts at the quarterback position versus paying premium quarterbacks and we've seen several uh, of those quarterbacks changing teams this offseason particularly with Russell Wilson in Denver Deshaun Watson in Cleveland as the the two uh, primary movers plus other jostling moving and shaking amongst teams in the AFC uh, Matt Ryan going to Indianapolis so on and so forth but yada 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 uh, but you and I had an interesting exchange over the weekend that we said you know what this this we need to flesh this out for the sake of content and it's trying to figure out the buckets that the AFC projected starting quarterbacks fall into based on tiers of how good they are because it is crazy good you just write the 16 names down of starting quarterbacks projected for the AFC and whoever you have at nine is a really good player at the quarterback position so why don't we do this now we'll set the record straight we'll do it on air and then that way everybody can kind of get to see our perception of the AFC quarterback field and just how messy that gets. Because reminder, only seven of these teams will be making the postseason. To help you guys out, at Shoe Radio for all your criticisms of Kyle and yes, Joe. So if you course. don't like their Thank list, you, at yes. Shoe Radio yep. is where you want to file those complaints. Absolutely. So Kyle, I like that you kind of have structured this into tiers. And it's the only knows, way to do it. Yeah, be, I, dude, I hate the whole arguing within tears it's just like you're splitting hairs it's nonsense michael jordan and lebron james are both really good like let's not let's not have to spend a, a lot of time marginalizing other people in the same tier uh so i i, I am i am for not doing that and, and we won't do that here so i believe you have four tiers well let's let's see how many tiers we need right okay. i would say let's look for the elite quarterbacks in the AFC and identify who we perceive those elite quarterbacks to be. And the spirit there is you could theoretically position them in any order within that bucket and you would not take exception to it. Okay. I like it. So we're starting with the elite tier. Yeah, this is the, the elite quarterbacks in the AFC and just a, Quick, there's been a lot of movement, so let's go ahead and set the record straight. We have Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. We have Zach Wilson with the New York Jets. We have Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. Tua Tungvaloa with the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mitchell Trubisky with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. 
Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans, Davis Mills with the Houston Texans, Trevor Lawrence with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Matt Ryan with the Indianapolis Colts. And then things get really crazy because you've got Justin Herbert with the Chargers, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, Russell Wilson with the Broncos, and Derek Carr with the Raiders. Let me catch my breath. So you you go ahead and you want to identify a couple elite starting quarterbacks. Go right ahead. Yeah, it sounds good. And good good to go through that. It was uh it was fun to be reminded that Matt Ryan is now in the AFC and Mitch Trubisky starting in the AFC and that the Texans are committed to Davis Mills, it would seem. The elite quarterbacks, Kyle, I have four elite, you know, these are guys that I think transcend everything. These are the the dudes in the AFC. And don't pay attention to the order that I say these names. That's not important. These guys are in the same tier. Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs, Josh Allen, Bills, Justin Herbert, Chargers, Deshaun Watson, Browns. I think those are your four premier elite difference maker dudes at the position. Now, there's other ones that are close. Those are my top four in that elite tier. So what is it What is it with Justin – because you said four, and I automatically assumed that Russell Wilson was going to be in that bucket. Ooh, really? Okay. So for you, is it Russ not playing to a certain standard the last couple of years? I know he had an ugly stretch of like six or seven games last year where his play really tapered off, and he was red hot the start of 2020, and then tapered off the second half of that year as well. Is it like consistency thing for you? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's the last two years we've seen the the highs and lows. They've 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 been too frequent. I, I want to see a sustained consistency from Russell Wilson, especially when you consider like from a weapons perspective, he's had it in, in Seattle with Lockett and Metcalf, and you know they've had different tight ends and Will Disley and Gerald Everett and Greg Olson, and they've always committed to having running backs. I, I mean, offensive line talent hasn't always been there, but uh, for, for Russ, I just don't know that he's been able to sustain the high enough level of play for long enough over the last two years that makes me feel comfortable lumping him into that tier with Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, and Watson. All right. I kind of struggle. Obviously, he was hurt last year, missed three games, uh, went six and eight. First time he's had a losing season. But he threw 40 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and 4,200 yards and went 12 and four in 2020. It wasn't that long ago. And that Seattle team last year was not good. So I would, I would fight you on Russ. And I guess my question for you is has. Has Justin is Justin sample size big enough for you to put him in that tier? I'm not questioning whether or not Justin yeah. Herbert's a phenomenal quarterback, but your contemporaries in that tier are Watson, Allen, and Mahomes. That's mm-hmm. quite the air to place him in after two seasons. Obviously, the yeah, production's think- been through the roof. Right. So it's just watching him play. And seeing the throws that he makes down the field and how he extends plays, I just feel like he's a difference maker. He's a guy that, yeah, he's young, but he's that type of player that you're going to win because of. And I remember, like, sometimes what helps me sort out my – I know my true feelings when I can kind of apply my fandom to it. 
And I remember being a Buffalo Bills fan last year and it being, you know, you figure out who you're going to play in the first round of the playoffs and it's going to be either the New England Patriots or the Chargers. And I'm like, all right, he well. so ready to not play the Chargers. <laughs> you're exactly right. You don't want that smoke. Because yeah, I didn't no. want Herbert. I didn't want to play Herbert. I'm like, I don't want to play. I don't want to deal with this player. And so that, like, to me, that very much solidified things in my head and that yeah, he's that type of quarterback that you don't want to play against. And so to me, that puts him in this category, despite only being in the league for two years. Okay, so how, I'd like to offer a olive branch and come to a compromise. Because I, I would have had four and the sample size for Justin versus uh, the longevity and the recent production from Russ. Uh, I mean, 2019 and 2020, I mean, we're talking 8,300 yards, 71 touchdowns, and 18 picks over those two years. Do you want to make the elite tier just the other three? And then tier two can be quarterbacks you can win because of. So you're asking me to drop Herbert and redefine this tier? It's, it, well, this tier is elite. The elites. Right. So, I'm asking so let, you to, let, to, because the phrase that you used with Justin Herbert was you can win because of Justin Herbert. And I agree, but I just, I'm not quite ready yet to put him into that bucket with those other three guys. Okay. I'm going to answer your question with a question. How do you reconcile Deshaun Watson in 2019 being one of the best three quarterbacks in the league that year in my mind, but the Houston Texans going four and 12. So what, what answer are you looking for? I mean, he averaged so if we're gonna, nine yards per attempt that year. He, he was special. It, his, his adjusted net yards per attempt was 8.22. Wins aren't a quarterback. I get it. I get it. Wins aren't a quarterback stat. But if we're going to sit here and right. say that these are the guys that you win because of, and they were the quarterback of a team that was four and twelve, you kind of have some some congruency issues in my mind. No, I'm saying tier two, describing tier two as quarterbacks you win because of. Tier one is elite quarterbacks, and tier two is like I still feel really good about winning a Super Bowl with this guy, but I'm not just going to call him elite relative to the threshold of being called elite. So if if that's the case, then you then you have to reach everything changes. Everything changes here. I mean, nothing that we've said thus far changes. You've got three elite quarterbacks in the AFC, and you're calling you're saying it's Mahomes, Allen, and Watson. Yes, if you're comfortable with that. I mean, if our objective is to agree, then I can do that. Okay, let's not agree. That's better content when we're fighting. So that's fine. You know, I, I put the olive branch out there. I said, hey, Joe, I think this can be a really happy medium for us if we each feel as though there's a certain number of players that we mutually agree can go into this bucket. So let's just do that. And you said, no, you stiff army. Like Derek Henry, well, the contentious point Josh is Herbert. So that's fine. That's fine. But the, So the you contentious point here is baby. Herbert. You don't want to put Herbert in this bucket, and I do. Correct, because it's just the sample size is too small to definitively refer to him as an elite quarterback relative to the accolades and performance year over year over year of Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes at this point. 
I see what you're saying. Now, but... he... So that's fine. I have three elite quarterbacks. You have four elite quarterbacks. We can go to the next tier. Okay. Well, we will agree to disagree on this tier, and we'll find out where we can find some common ground with the remaining tiers of the AFC quarterbacks. Okay, Joe. Let's let's find some common ground. Tier two quarterbacks in the AFC. I'm going to make you happy because I'm going to tell you Justin Herbert is absolutely positively the first name that's going down on this list. And with another season like what he had last year, he's going to be put in the elite tier for me. Okay? So I feel like we can, we can accept that. Russell Wilson being the other name that has been mentioned thus far, and I'm absolutely positively ready. This is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. We talked about the production already. I'm ready to put Russell Wilson into the tier two starting quarterbacks as well. As I survey the the rest of the landscape, I have two more names that I think I'm dialed in on as of this point in time. Do you have Russell Wilson in the tier two? And how many other quarterbacks do you identify as being in that tier? I have Russell Wilson in tier two, and I have four quarterbacks, including Russell mm. Wilson, in this bucket. Okay, so you have three more to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is is one of those the AFC representative in the Super Bowl this past season? Yes. Okay. So Joe Burrow is going to go in the Tier 2 bucket as well. Is another AFC North quarterback, which would give them three already in this tier. That has an NFL MVP under his belt. Correct. Yeah, he's in there. Okay, so Lamar what you, Jackson, Christopher. What are you, what are you doing, Kyle? It's, it's like you're playing guess who. Does your quarterback uh, wear glasses? No. Okay, let me flip well, those I, things down, and then I'll make another guess. Component, and then we're going to talk about him. Playing quarterback guess do. who here. Listen, we're called draft dudes. If you don't make a big board, which is exactly what we're doing right now, and you don't milk that content a little bit, I don't know what to tell you. But, Joe, you've got one more. Mm-hmm. Just you handle it however you want. Since Chris is going to give me grief for how I'm choosing to present information, mm. I'm just going to let you tell the people however you would like to who this other quarterback is. This is a quarterback that recently got a new wide receiver that he played college football with in California. <laughs> Shuby's clapping. Derek Carr in tier two. Yeah. This is a great take, Joe. Very good take. Which gives us all of the AFC West, by the way, in the first two tiers. And Lord have none mercy. and and wait. And none of the AFC South. <laughs> right. And three of the four on the AFC East on the outside looking in. Yeah. There's haves and have-nots for divisions. I mean, the really divisional is. games are going to be fun. That's great. And that is an interesting point, too. Like, the, the question's been asked, like, are these teams going to cannibalize themselves? You got six games to play. Like, right. I mean, the AFC West right. side of things, the AFC North side of things, like, and the AFC North cannibalized themselves this year a little bit. Correct. Correct. That's why if you're like a team like Indy, New England, Miami, you got to feel pretty decent, right? Like, handle your business 
and see if everyone else just beats up on each other. Um, we are all agree with the exception of one quarterback yet again. Uh, I am leaving Derek Carr outside of the tier that involves Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. And all for me also has uh, Russell Wilson. I do not have I'd Derek say- Carr in that tier. That's fair. And, I, and, and Carr's definitely that in-between tier guy. And my next mm-hmm. tier is only two quarterbacks. And I think there's probably a decent case that he belongs there. Because Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, I mean, those guys have different levels of accomplishment, you know, certainly compared to Derek Carr. So I can understand. And, and in fact, I'm going to do it. I, I have the liberty to change my mind Ooh. right now. No, I and Get this is just me be- you know me. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. Chris is mad. No, I have no, to be, be intellectually honest. No, no. It's have, some conviction, no, it's, have some conviction, Joseph. Have some conviction. You my put mind, him in the t- you put him in the tier. No, Keep him in the tier. No, no, you can't because he hasn't lived up to what we've already seen from Lamar, Russell Wilson, and Joe Burrow. Derek Carr does not belong in that category. He belongs in the next category. And so I do have convictions about that, and that's I'm why so I have to be intellectually honest I'm with so myself proud. and bump him out. We got Justin Herbert in the top tier. The guy hasn't done anything, hasn't even seen the playoffs. You're giving You're him all the time. You're kidding me. He's the Chris, most accomplished quarterback in the history of the league across two seasons. That strikes fear in me as an opponent. So, regardless, what we have done is we've identified the top seven quarterbacks because now we have the same amount of quarterbacks. It's just we have one, you have an extra quarterback in tier one, and I have that quarterback in tier two. We've found seven quarterbacks. This would theoretically be your playoff field, but of course the problem is the South's not represented <laughs> yet. So if you were just going to pick, hey, this is the quarter, this is the playoff field. It's based off quarterback play. It's the number one predictor for success year over year over year in the NFL. We know injuries happen when we can't sit here and speak with confidence that this is exactly how it would play out. But you have in the East, Josh Allen. In the North, you have Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. And then you have Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I mentioned them first because they're reigning champs, right? You have Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers. And you have Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Those are the seven quarterbacks that we have identified as Tier 1 and Tier 2 quarterbacks in the NFL. One of these, at a minimum... We'll miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. <laughs> because somebody's going to be spoken for in the AFC South. And Joe, I'm interested because we have the same seven quarterbacks boxes checked. We now have the rest of the field to go. We have nine quarterbacks for what, however many tiers we need. You have three quarterbacks in tier two. Did I, or in tier three, did I correctly... Yep. Pick up there's three. Yet? Yep, there's three in tier three. I have two. I have two. And I would assume Derek Carr's one because Derek Carr's one for me and yep. we were ready to put him in tier two before we came to our senses. Who is the, the other quarterbacks in this bucket for you? Matt Ryan's in this bucket for me. Okay. And Mr. Ryan Tannehill is in this bucket for me. Tier three. I do not feel comfortable placing Ryan Tannehill in the same bucket as Derek Carr, 
and Matt Ryan. I agree with you on Matt Ryan, and therefore my tier three is small. It's just two quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, obviously, you could not have scripted a better change of environment for an aging Matt Ryan than to go to an indoor team with the offensive line in the running game that the Indianapolis Colts have. Now, what I do think is interesting is you think about Matt Ryan and what he's played with, with the Julio Joneses of the world, with the Kyle Pitts this year of the world, the Calvin Ridleys of the world. Place him in Indianapolis. How good do you feel about this receiving, supporting cast that the Indianapolis Colts can provide? Not a lot of established, dangerous tight end production available on the roster. Michael Pittman's a, from a, probably from a fantasy football perspective, a tier three wide receiver in the NFL, but he's certainly not going to strike fear in you. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Matt Ryan in Indianapolis and that, that pairing it from a personnel standpoint as things currently stand? Yeah, you wish, you wish the tight end and wide receiver situation was better. And I would say that Atlanta didn't really have much going for them last year at, at wide receiver. Now, certainly tight end with Kyle Pitts in the fray, that mattered a lot. But, you know, the run game and offensive line is going to be so much better with Indianapolis and that defense that they have. You know, it kind of takes a little bit off of your offense to have to score 28, 30 points to win football games. And so I like this for um, Matt Ryan. Uh, I like the coaching ability of Frank Reich and that staff and how they've maximized talent. And so I, I would like to see them make some additions here at wide receiver, but I, I think this is collectively a much better situation than Atlanta was for him. And they, I mean, the the relative cost of the deal, you have to feel good about as well. Yeah, it's a three. You're in, Come on. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, whoop-de-doo. Okay. Um, do you want to make the case for Ryan, or do you want to talk about Ryan when we get to him? Because in, in, he's going to be in my next tier. Well, I, I, I'll say what I have to say about Ryan Tannehill now, who or the reason I have him in this bucket is, I mean, he's been, he's been the right quarterback for Tennessee. He's come in and and played well in terms of complementing that run game with what he's able to do in play action. This past year wasn't his best showcase. He didn't have his receivers. You know, that was definitely not ideal. They didn't replace the tight end. You know, you certainly need to have a certain level of talent around Ryan Tannehill, but they've proven they can win. I mean, they've been to the playoffs like the last three seasons, and I, I think there's only been like five teams in the league that's been to the playoffs each of the last three years. Tennessee's one of them with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. Now I have concerns about whether or not he can be the guy that gets you over the hump and you can actually like go to the Super Bowl and win it. But I think you can win playoff games and challenge every year with Ryan Tannehill because he's proven that with the right supporting cast around him. Yeah, right. And that, that's the catalyst, right, is with the right supporting cast around him. And that, for me, is why he doesn't go in the tier with Matt Ryan and Derek Carr. Because you think about the running game that Tennessee has had and been able to lean on so heavily. And this might be you know, my background and, and just my experiences covering the Miami Dolphins and following the Miami Dolphins for as much as I have. But I've seen what Ryan looks like not in that environment. And he, that player is certainly not somebody that I would be putting in the same tier as Matt Ryan and Derek Carr. Uh, where those guys have respectively been asked to carry a more significant respective load of their offenses than what Ryan does. And that's, you know, you're right in that he's the the perfect quarterback 
for Tennessee, but that's not a place that I feel relative to those other guys, historically what they've been asked to do that, that I get super excited about putting him in that air. So I guess that's a good transition to tier four, right? These are your tier four quarterbacks in the AFC. Gets a little messy uh, is here. It the, yeah, it's real messy. Are we, are we sticking with this just being one tier? Just one? No, no, I don't think it needs to be at all. Okay. All right. Because it's it's real me- it's really messy because the reality is with most of these quarterbacks, there's just not enough information on them to really make hard opinions, right? Like these guys have a chance to really jump into different tiers with how they play this year. We just they're either in a new scenario or they're they've been in the league for like one year, you know? So here's the here's the perfect way to divide this, and I think we can get through this process relatively quickly. You can either, you think you can win with this player, but they have significant limitations, or you're scared to death of this player. And that's a very binary question for all the remaining quarterbacks. I think you can win with Ryan Tannehill, but I do think he has significant limitations. So that's why for me, he's in this bucket. Mac Jones, New England Patriots. They showed you can win with this player. He just has physical limitations. The ceiling's not super high. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tua Tungavaloa, I believe he's 14 and 8 as a starter in the NFL. You can win with this player, but he has significant limitations. His limitations are different than the other two players. But at the very least, that winning record and pedigree Tungavaloa has provided during his starts over the last two seasons. All right. So, Kyle, we're working through this, I guess, last tier. Maybe, maybe not for. Dividing remaining talent. Yeah. The remaining talent. That's a good way to put it. And so I'm pretty comfortable. And I say pretty, not all the way comfortable because this is a weird tier because there's just a lot of unknowns about these quarterbacks. I'm pretty comfortable just kind of looking at this as one group and stacking it within the group. Yes. And and that's different. Remaining four. Well, so I have it a little bit different after, after that Tannehill, then I have Mitch Trubisky and I have Trevor Lawrence. Yep. I have Tua Tungavaloa yep. and I have Mac Jones. And then there's okay. the other two quarterbacks in the conference. The thing about where I get a little bit hung up is with Mitch Trubisky. He started 50 games in the NFL and has had some level of success with a weird situation around him. I have a hard time putting Mitch with Tua and Mac Jones and Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's weird to me. So he's like this weird place. So if I were to take all of these quarterbacks remaining, I kind of just put him at the top of it. And then you have this group of Trevor Lawrence, who has terrific physical gifts that I think has the ability to elevate and get outside of this tier, especially with with Doug Peterson now as his head coach, where he's kind of like this standalone entity as well, where I think he can become a difference maker. Then you have players like Tua and Mac Jones, who I think – you can win with you. They've proven that those are both the of those win, quarterbacks but with, have but are, with limitations. But with limitations, they've proven that for me. Then you have this Davis Mills guy who might have been the second best rookie quarterback last year, but you just have no idea what the ceiling is there. And then there's Zach Wilson who scares me a lot right now. So that's kind of how I look at this and survey that remaining level of talent that you kind of labeled, which I thought was appropriate. Well, swell, Joe, you. You kind of just blew the whole thing up here because we went tiers 
And now we're not tiers. Now we're ranking guys, which is very on brand for you. So I appreciate you throwing a curveball here for me as we get ready to to bring this thing to a close. But I think one thing that we did not discuss today, but is going to be interesting to follow is the mobility of these guys. You know, we, we mentioned a lot of the unknowns with the guys down here in the bottom tier. Uh, what of those guys make jumps and, and elevate their play? You know, does Matt Ryan take a step back as he gets a little older and has to play in a new environment? Uh, that Those are interesting storylines that this will change these dynamics, and we hope that you come back and hear those conversations with us here on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, make it a good one. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.